someone from the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. Jesus said to him, Friend, who set me as judge and arbitrator over you? And then he said to them, the disciples, take care and be on your guard against all kinds of greed. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Then he told them a parable. He said, the land of a rich man produced abundantly so that the man said to himself, what will I do? I have nowhere to store all of my crops. And then he thought, I'll do this. I'll pull down my barns and I'll build larger barns. And there I will store all of my grain and my goods. And I'll say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods stored up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life is being demanded of you and these things that you've prepared, whose will they be? And so it is with anyone who's stored up treasures for themselves, but are not rich toward God. The Gospel of the Lord. I was part of something pretty great this weekend, the last couple of days. And I'm going to make no bones about the fact that this sermon is a shameless, thinly veiled excuse to brag about my wife and some of her newest friends. Based on the gospel we just heard, I hope it's also um, something worth saying about the practice of faithful giving and generosity in the church, too. Krista and I just got back from Chicago where she competed in her first ever dragon boat race with the club of paddlers that she has been part of recently. It's a club of women who train three times a week up on Geist Reservoir, and they compete a few times a year at festivals in places like Chicago and Kentucky and Orlando. They even go international sometimes if they're good enough and if they've been on the team for a while. Apparently... Dragon boat racing originated in China a couple thousand years ago, and the boats look like this. They are about 40 feet long. They're only four feet wide at the center, their widest point. And at least in this case, 20 women paired up side by side, paddle in tandem, while someone bangs on a drum and barks orders at them from the bow. And while someone else stands on the stern and steers, or rather actually keeps them on the straight and narrow and in their lane, so they make it to the finish line. But more important than all of that, this group of women with whom Krista paddles are all breast cancer survivors. Their club is called the Indy Survive Oars, and they do their thing as much for the exercise and for the physical therapy that the motion of paddling provides for their bodies as they do for the sisterhood and for the camaraderie, for the friendship, for the encouragement that they share as so many of them continue to fight and to recover from their respective breast cancer battles. It's one of those things that is so special that it is as practical physical therapy as it is Holy, friendship, sisterhood, camaraderie, encouragement. Anyway, 
with today's gospel on the brain and with this reminder from Jesus about paying attention to and living differently because of what really matters in this life, I noticed some common ground between these survivors and the way we're all called to live when our generosity and our giving are concerned as followers of Jesus. For one thing, looks can be deceiving. I could not believe some of the shapes and sizes of the many women who showed up to paddle yesterday. Their bodies have been utterly transformed by their cancer and by the surgeries and the treatments that it takes to cure it. You'd expect some of them to complete the walk from the car to the staging area with great effort and struggle, let alone get into a boat and paddle across the lake. But they were still going strong at the finish. Others looked lean and mean like they'd done this a million times before, but they were huffing and puffing, barely making their way to the finish much of the time. Krista's own crew, mostly rookies in this survivors group, with all of their battered and broken, mended and mending bodies, surprised even their coach by beating much more experienced paddlers yesterday. And I have seen something similar around here over the years where our giving is concerned. There are individuals and families who simply do not have the resources that others have. I know it because of what they do for work, because of where they live, because of a million circumstances that many would use for very good reason not to give as generously or as much or as often as they could. But like that poor widow from another gospel story many of us have heard about, the one who'd had nothing to give except everything she had while the rich folks dropped in their leftovers, some people give selflessly, sacrificially, generously, gratefully in ways that are surprising inspiring, humbling, and uncommonly faithful. Another thing I noticed this weekend is that like so many hard things that matter, temptations to stop or to never start in the first place are everywhere. I'm impressed every time Krista leaves the house on a Monday or a Wednesday or a Saturday for regular paddling practice. After long days at work with so many easier, much more fun, tremendously more relaxing things to do, never knowing when the side effects of her drugs are going to take effect, there are lots of reasons to just not. And I know so many others from her team are very literally in that same boat, but they show up. Practice after practice after practice nonetheless. And don't we all know about temptations when it comes to what or whether we give to the church or store up more treasures for ourselves. There's always something better or easier or more fun to do with our money than to give it away, right? We're constantly tempted to just do what we've always done or give less than we know that we could or do nothing at all because he or she or they aren't doing anything at all or because someone else will surely take care of it. And who's really going to notice, know, or care anyway? Temptation toward greed is everywhere, as Jesus reminds us this morning. 
And so much of it has to do with how we use or do not use our money in ways that are a blessing for other people and that are pleasing to our God. Playing along with this giving thing will take you places you've never been before or ever thought you could be. Krista had never thought about dragon boating in her whole life because who would? And new things are awkward and feel risky and can be downright scary when you're her age. (laughs) She's older than me. I like to remind her of that. But strong, faithful people do brave, courageous things when their very life has actually been demanded of them. And that is nothing more or nothing less than what Jesus' parable asks of us capitalists, trained as we have been to want more, to save more, to have more, to keep more. He's always calling us to do a new thing, to believe a new thing, to try a new thing where our money is concerned by storing up less of it for ourselves, by giving it away more generously to others, by sharing it with the world around us, and by watching what God will do with all of that and do with all of us when we make that happen. It's hard to stop this giving once you've started. In a boat full of other paddlers, it seems to me it's hard to quit. You have that coach encouraging you or barking at you from the bow of the boat as she bangs a drum. You have teammates helping you along the way and to whom you are beholden. And once you're moving, the current and the wind, if you're lucky, and your momentum and adrenaline must help keep things moving forward. I hope the same is true when it comes to being generous around here. Someone somewhere said once that they had never met an ex-tither. And as far as I know, that's been my experience, too. When it comes to stewardship in the church, the reason ex-tithers are rare is because the experience of giving proportionately is as rewarding and as life-changing as God promises that it will be. Tithing, or giving away a significant planned portion of our income can be like committing to something so practical and so holy that it changes your perspective in a way that you are not willing to stop once you begin or slow down or go back on once you've seen the impact of it in your life or on the places to which you give your money. Commitment matters. When Krista signed up for this new hobby, it became pretty clear that the team was counting on her and counting on each other to show up. Again, for really practical reasons, they need to know who's going to be there and when, especially for a competition, so that they can balance the boats according to size, shape, weight, experience, and ability of each and every person who plans to paddle. Too many of us, when it comes to making our financial commitments, aren't sure we want to be counted on or beholden to or committed to someone or something outside of ourselves 
or outside of our own family's needs, but faith calls us to trust, not just in dollars and cents, but to trust in God's willingness and God's power and God's desire to provide. And in God's church, just like on a dragon boat, everyone's commitment matters, no matter the size, no matter the shape, no matter the weight, no matter the experience, because all of it helps us plan and prepare for how to use what we have and because it reminds us that we are all in this boat together too. And lastly, we're called to do all of this because we get to, not because we have to. None of these survivors are out there because they have to be. They're not under contract. They're not getting paid. There are no endorsements or expectations from anyone but themselves. And it seems to me they do this because they've had to imagine more seriously than most of us that there was a time when they almost wouldn't have had the choice. Their lives were very much being demanded of them not so very long ago. In the same way, the commitments we offer are between us and Jesus. We are challenged by each other. We are challenged by our pastor, I hope. And we are challenged by the needs we see around us in this place and out there in the world to be generous. But ultimately, our offerings are to be made with prayerful consideration for our own needs, for God's desire, and only with thanksgiving and as much generosity as we can muster because we can, not because we have to, and because we have so much for which to be thankful. So I was so impressed and inspired by what those women were up to yesterday, surviving their illness, choosing the hard road toward healing and wholeness, loving, supporting, encouraging and challenging each other to do more and to do better with whatever they've been given, and being grateful above all else, it seems, for the simple, profound second chance to do it in the first place. And I know that our lives and our discipleship could be transformed by following their example. And one of the most practical places to start paddling, if you will, and so much easier by comparison, if we're honest, is by giving away, not by storing up for ourselves more of what has been given to us by the gracious hand of the God we know in Jesus. Amen.